This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Three times of the year, Israel then, at that time, is no different then than it is today. They were surrounded by enemies. Enemies that were wanting the land of Israel no different than today. We can hear the Palestinians. Israel, nothing has changed in 3,500 years. Enemies all around Israel waiting for their opportunity to find some land unoccupied, unprotected, that they could just go take, take it, annex it, steal it, And think of all those Jewish people who lived on the border of Israel. They had their farms on the border of Israel, on the border of their enemies. And just think of how vulnerable their land was. Enemies looking down their throats, watching and waiting, waiting for the time when their lands and their farms would be unoccupied, unguarded, unprotected. You never, ever, ever left your land unguarded. You never, ever, ever left your homes unguarded. When, not when you're surrounded by your enemies that want to take them. You never, ever, never, ever leave your land, your homes, your farms alone, unprotected. Or else you could expect to come back and find out no longer your land, your farm, your home. And this was the pressure that every Jewish man was under And with that pressure, God said to them in Exodus 23, Exodus 23, 14, Exodus 23, 14, God said, three times thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. Thou shalt eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded thee in the time appointed in the month Abib. For in it thou camest out from Egypt. None shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is the end of the year when thou shalt gather 
thou, sh thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. <clears throat> That's what he said. Exodus 23, 14. Three, three, thou shalt keep a feast unto me in the year. Three times. Exodus 23, 17. Three times in the year, all thy males shall appear before, appear before the Lord God. Three times in the year. Three times in the year. All the males leave their homes, go to Jerusalem, Passover in the spring, Shavuot in the summer, and Sukkot in the fall. Can you imagine the pressure? Can you imagine the pressure that's put on all the men of Israel? They had to leave their lands, they had to leave their homes, they had to leave their farms three times in a year. And it was set times of the year. And their enemies weren't stupid. They had calendars too. And they could mark on their calendars these dates. It's their Passover in spring. They'll be gone. It's their, shavu, their, their uh, first fruits in, uh, in, in the summer. They'll be gone. It's their in-gathering, Sukkot, in the fall. They'll be gone. No secret. Their, their enemies knew the exact dates when their houses, their lands, their farms would be vacant, vacant free, for, free for the taking, completely unguarded, completely vulnerable. Can you imagine the men saying to God, what are you asking me to do? Leave my land and my farm and my home so my enemies can take it? Leave it every year, three times at the same time every year? How can I do that? And God said, it's my command, which is now your choice. And that's the way it works with God. He's not forcing them. Three times of the year, I'm commanding you, but I'm not forcing you. I'm just commanding you to leave your homes, your lands, your farms, and come to Jerusalem. Now, what is your choice? What is your choice? Will you make the needful choice to come to me in Jerusalem? Will you choose the better part to come to me in Jerusalem? I won't force you. Will you choose me? How important am I to you? Lovest thou me more than thy land? Lovest thou me more than thy farm? Lovest thou me more than your home? And that's what God's asking us. Trust, making ourselves vulnerable to him. Lovest thou me more than your home? Lovest thou me more than your car? Lovest thou me more than your possessions? Lovest thou me more than your job, your family, your children, your spouse, more than all? And Jehovah Jesus is calling all of the Jewish males to leave it all unprotected three times a year and come to Jerusalem. And Jehovah Jesus said to all the males what he said to Mary in Luke 10, 42. Luke 10, 42. One thing is needful. Mary chose the good part. It will not be taken away from her. One thing is needful, Jewish men. Come to me in Jerusalem three times a year. Choose that good part, Jewish men. Come to me in Jerusalem three times a year. It will not be taken away from you. And Jehovah Jesus said to all the Jewish men, three times a year, 1 Samuel 2, 30. 1 Samuel 2, 30. Them that honor me, I will honor and God made a promise to all those millions of men. He said, he, 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 said, he said, I know what I'm calling you to do. You leave all, you come to Jerusalem three times a year, leave everything unprotected, but I'll give you this promise. And he gave him a promise that he could take it to the bank, just like Mary, won't be taken away from you. Exodus 34, 24, Exodus 34, 24, God said about it. I will cast out the nations before thee and enlarge thy borders. Here's the promise. Neither shall any man desire thy land when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year. 
So God said to all the Jewish men in, in Israel, when you come to me in Jerusalem three times a year, there will not be one man who's going to desire your land. Not one. So how about it, men? God's saying, will you trust God with your land and your possessions? Will you trust God with your land and your possessions in the springtime of August, uh, of uh, Passover? Will you trust God with your land and your possessions in the summertime with Shavuot? Will you trust God with your land and possessions in the fall with Sukkot? Real specific here. How about it, man? Will you sing and will you really mean it? Three times a year, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. In his presence daily live, I surrender all, I surrender all, I surrender all to thee, my blessed Savior, all to Jesus. Worldly pleasures forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now, I surrender all. And no one ever lost by surrendering to Jesus. He said it in in Mark 10, 29, Mark 10, 29, Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses, brethren, sisters, mothers, children, lands with persecutions and in the world to come, eternal life. And you know what's so interesting? There's not one record in the Bible or outside the Bible of any enemy coming into Israel to steal anything during those three times of the year when all the males left everything in the hands of God and they left their everything and they went to Jerusalem. And the country obeyed God, including a little poor family with a father named Joseph and a mother named Mary with a boy named Jesus that left their place in Nazareth to go leave it all unprotected to Jerusalem in Luke 2.41, Luke 2.41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Three times a year, they turned all that they had into the hands of God. And they went to God in Jerusalem to worship. And if you were one of those Jewish men, just picture yourself as one of those Jewish men in Israel at that time, how would that change your view of your your homes and your possessions and your lands to leave it all unprotected, only by only God's protecting it three times a year. You think that putting all your possessions in the hands of God three times a year, that, that would help bring maybe a freedom from a chokehold that he described in Luke 8:14, a chokehold in Luke 8:14, and that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. You think when you came back home those three times in the year and you did a quick inventory, you looked around and you found everything just as you left it? You didn't even lock your door maybe? And that one thing missing? You think you might say, as I said with Scantabody's Laboratory, when God rained down on us, $15 million in excess profits over five years. We had been 25 years. We had a million dollars. So $15 million over five years when we were being sued and we we had to stay out of debt and God rained $15 million on us to stay out of debt and God kept us out of debt. You think you might say when you came home and found nothing missing, missing that you might say to God what I said to God after those five years of $15 million miraculous dollars that saved our scantibodies business, you think you might say, like I said, you just took care of my business? 
You think you might hear God say to you, as he said to me, you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business? You think you might reply to God those three times a year when you found nothing stolen, you came back, and you think you might say to God something like, deal? You take care of my business, I'll take care of your business? What do you think? Three times a year to renew that deal between you and God? Is that a deal? You think that returning home, you might say, you just took care of my home? You think that you might hear God say, you take care of my house, I'll take care of your house? You think you might say to God, deal? You take care of my house, I'll take care of your house? What do you think? You think three times a year you might renew that deal with God? You might say, God says, is it a deal? What do you think? You might, you might look at the chapel differently as the house of God and say, what needs to be taken care of here in God's house instead of Clint having to do it all? You, you, you might say, I want to take care of God's house because he's taking care of my house. Three times a year, God said to all Israel, you take care of my stuff, and I'll take care of your stuff. Deal? Is it a deal? And three times a year, Israel saw this miracle of God's protection of Israel's stuff when all the males left home to go, go to God in Jerusalem. Okay, now the Lord's in prayer, and the disciples are in the boat, and the worst has happened. The absolute worst in verse 24. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. This just reminds me of Loretto. Loretto, is the, the sea looks all very serene, nice. You stand there, you look over there at the island of Carmen, and you say, oh, that's not very far. It's 11 miles. That's not very far. Look carefully, you'll see the curvature of the earth on the, on the ocean. You fly over it in your plane, and you say, oh, my, that's a boat down there? It's a speck. And it's about, uh, that's 11 miles, Galilee's nine miles, it's, it's more, more, very close. And, and, you, and when you, before you go out in Loretto, you check very carefully the weather. That, 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 that's, that can be and has been fatal. The word now in verse 24 means the disciples are now fighting for their lives. And they're thinking that, they're thinking as they're fighting for their lives, why are we here? Anybody check the weather? No, nobody checked it. Why? We were constrained to get in the boat, remember? Oh, yeah. Why? Why did he push us into this boat? Why did he constrain us to get into this boat? Just like you and I. Ask the Lord, ask the Lord, why you constrained us to get into this storm of troubles in our lives? Just like the Lord himself was constrained by the Holy Spirit to go into a storm of troubles in Matthew 4.1, Matthew 4.1, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And the disciples sit there and they say, are we being punished? Did we do something wrong? And, and no, you didn't do something wrong, you're being trained. And, and is our life storm a punishment? Are, did we do something wrong? No, it's a training. And the disciples ask, well, why was I sent into this storm? And Jesus responds in John 13, 7, John 13, 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And we ask, why am I in this storm of troubles? And Jesus replies the same from John 13, 7. What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know thereafter. So the ship is now in the midst of the sea and it's tossed with the waves. And where's Jesus? He's missing in action. He's nowhere to be found. Verse 23 tells us where he is. He's alone on a mountain in prayer. 
is praying for the safety of the disciples, just like he prayed for Peter in Luke 22:31. Luke 22:31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. In other words, when you learn what you're going to be taught, then you understand it, don't forget it, use it, and teach others. So where is he? He's unseen. What's he doing? A work, a vital work, a work of Hebrews 7.25, Hebrews 7.25. Wherefore, he's able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's stepping between the disciples and the Father, and he's making intercession for them. Just like he's doing for us in Hebrews 9.24, Hebrews 9.24, Christ now appears in the presence of God for us, for us. We finished up the the, uh, breaking of bread here, and our brother Ken read a passage from Romans 8, Romans 8. He read this first, Romans 8.34. Christ, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 1 Timothy 2.5, 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He's being the mediator up there on the mountain. The disciples are down fighting the sea, just like Israel was fighting Amalek down in a valley. And Moses was unseen. Where's Moses? I don't know, he's up there on that hill somewhere. Where's the Lord Jesus? Oh, he's in that mountain someplace. Exodus 17.10, Exodus 17.10. So Joshua fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he laid down his hand, Amalek prevailed. They were fighting for their lives in that lake, and they didn't realize they would be successful against, their, against the fight with the, in the fight of the lake according as Jesus, like Moses, held up his hands in prayer. He was where he needed to be, had to be for them. And now it's 3 a.m. in the morning, the so-called fourth watch in, in uh, verse 25, verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. They were afraid, and all he had to say is just this very, very simple, very simple, very simple thing. He just had to say, It is I, Ani. That's all he had to say. Not, It is Jesus. He said, It is I. Why? Because Just saying it is I meant that he used his voice. And it says in John 10.4, John 10.4, the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They knew his voice. It is I. And they knew his voice. And not only that, they knew that he was with them. Just like it says in Psalm 91.15, Psalm 91.15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. 
Just like it says in Hebrews 13.5, Hebrews 13.5, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And just like it says in this wonderful passage in, in, in Isaiah 43.1, Isaiah 43.1, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou, pa- when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, they shall not be, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. See, in that passage, three times the Lord used the word through. We would like the word from. Take me from the waters. Take me from the fire. But the Lord said, through. Isaiah 41.10, Isaiah 41.10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. All they needed, and they knew it, was just what Moses said in Exodus 33.15. Exodus 33.15, he said unto them, he said unto him, Moses said to God, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Okay. So now he's there, and Peter decides to advance himself. Peter? Can't be Peter. It is. It's Peter. So he advances himself in front of the disciples in, in, uh, in verse 28. Verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. Not bid us, but bid me. Peter didn't say, he didn't say, we're all going to come to you. He said, just me, just, just ask me to, to come. And by the way, Peter did not say, I'm a coming. But, but, he, but he said, bid me come. Ask me to come. And that's how it should be with our walk with God. We, we shouldn't thrust ourselves out to God, but we ask God to ask us to come. And the Lord agreed with Peter and said in verse 29, verse 29, he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. So Peter now steps out of the safety, whatever safety there was, but still it was a place of safety, the safety of the boat. He steps out of the boat and he walks over the jaws of death because that's what the, the waters were. They were the jaws of death. And that's such a picture of the gospel. All a sinner hears from Christ is just come. And the sinner comes stepping out of his safety zone. And sometimes it's a, it, it, it's a real step into the jaws of death, especially from a Jewish family's perspective, or some, many Jewish families. And the sinner steps over the world, the jaws of death of the world. He steps, he tramples on the world under his feet. And he comes to Christ. And he's not sinking into the world. And the world is not overwhelming him like the water and Peter's just walking over the water, and the sinner walks over the world, and he, he's going to Jesus, and Jesus supporting him as he's going. He doesn't know it, but he's being supported by Jesus, as it says in Psalm 63, 8. Psalm 63, 8. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. As the Lord told Israel about when he brought him out of Egypt, and he said, let me tell you what just happened. He says to Israel in Exodus 19.4, Exodus 19.4, I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.